0: Reverend Wendy starts the year with a new series called, How to Make a Truly Fresh Start. This week, Reverend Wendy shares the importance of forgiving ourselves and talks about specific things we can do to make that happen. And so indeed, we are at a new beginning, yes? Does, it, does the year still feel fresh and new to you? Oh, you're kind of quiet. You are second service, right? Yes, you are. Okay. Does it, it still feels really fresh to me. I, you know, I, I find it interesting about myself that I still get so excited about a new year. It still is magical to me. And I've had quite a few of them now, but it still is magical. There's like a childlike energy that I feel about it. And it, and it doesn't seem to matter whether the year that has just passed was the easiest and best year I'd ever had, or was one of the more really difficult and painful years, I still seem to enter into the new year with the same childlike joy and enthusiasm and sense of hope and and possibility and energy and desire to not just begin again, but to begin anew to begin anew. And some of you know I am mentioning that, right, from from last week's service. You see what's here? Those of you who were with us last week, if you filled out your letter to God, your letter to yourself, these are all of those that we will mail back to you later in the year. But I'm going to bring them into the sanctuary from time to time, just so that the reminder, the visual reminder of them is a reminder to us of the things that we are wanting to stretch into, the things that we're wanting to bring into our, our life experience. And we'll have them in our meditation services periodically as well and we'll pray over them. And when they're not in here, they will be in my office where I will see them and I will think about you. And every once in a while I may take a few of them and specifically look at your names on the envelopes and just hold you in prayer. Because I know the power of that. And I know the power of dreaming and the power of of a fresh start and beginning anew. And I also know that in order to do that, you gotta make peace with the past. You gotta make peace with the past. And that's what I wanna talk to you about today. So there were eight men who decided to go out and golf. And they broke into two foursomes, and they started their game, beautiful day, beautiful golf course, and the first foursome finished, sat in the clubhouse enjoying a glass of wine or whatever golfers do when they finish golfing. I'm not sure what, what they do, but they were enjoying their time in the clubhouse, kind of wondering what was keeping the other foursome from getting there. They should be there by now. And after a while, t- time dragged on, three of the second foursome walk in. And of course, has a great curiosity to the original foursome, wondering what the heck happened to which they were told, well, we had a great game when we started. But at the second hole, Harry had a heart attack. And after that, it was hit the ball, drag Harry. Hit the ball, drag Harry. Hit the ball, drag Harry. My apologies to you golfers if I mess up any part of that joke. But I love that joke. not a very compassionate joke. But I love it because it really speaks to me about the dilemma many of us face in our lives. And that is that we're carrying around stuff that is making the journey really difficult. And that we need to let go of that stuff. We need to let go. We need to make peace with our past so that we are free and unburdened to begin anew. To fulfill the things on these pieces of paper that our very heart and soul and spirit long for. Ernest Holmes wrote a piece about this in which he, he writes about the importance of realizing the power that we hold to create our destiny. For those of you who don't know, Ernest Holmes was a founder of Science of Mind. And Science of Mind is, to me, a cousin spiritual practice to unity. I'd be hard-pressed to tell you what the real differences are. I don't think there are any fundamental differences. They're both part of what we call the New Thought Movement. And this is what Ernest Holmes wrote. Life is a blackboard upon which we consciously or unconsciously write those messages which govern us. We hold the chalk and the eraser in our hand, but we're ignorant of this fact. What we now experience, we need not continue to experience, but the hand which holds the eraser must do its neutralizing work. In here is the equivalent of the chalk on the chalkboard, right? What we did together with the burning bowl last week was the equivalent of the eraser. And I suspect that there may still be some things that we need to erase, that we need to let go of. I want to talk to you about five things that will help us make peace with our past. And the first is the one I will spend the most time on because I think it is the most critical and the most important, and it is this, that we must forgive ourselves. We must forgive ourselves. Say that with me. We must forgive ourselves. I must forgive myself. Say that to yourself. I must forgive myself. I must forgive myself. In spiritual practice, there is a lot written about, and I know from this platform I've talked frequently about the importance of practicing forgiveness. And I believe that, in fact, most of the time when I talk about forgiveness, I'm usually talking about it in terms of forgiving someone else for something that they've done to us. And I think that is incredibly important. However, what is equally important, and I know I probably don't talk about enough, is the importance of forgiving ourselves as well. We've got to forgive ourselves. You might say, well, for what? Well, I don't know what you're holding inside of you that you need to forgive. That's probably a very private matter, very private matter. But what I do know is that we've all done things in our lives that we regret. We've all done things that we are embarrassed by or ashamed of. And if we have not done our deep inner work to make amends around that and then release ourselves from it, we're going to be holding ourselves back in very significant ways. My friend and colleague, Dr. Dennis Merritt-Jones, who is a former or retired science of mind minister, wrote this in one of his recent blogs about forgiveness. He says, as long as you live in a human skin, is that all of us? I think so. As long as you live in a human skin, forgiveness is the one practice that you'll need to master because nothing will keep you stuck in the past more effectively than resentment and non-forgiveness. Think of it this way. What or who you don't forgive, you drag into the new year with you. To forgive is to erase the negative energy that keeps you from entering the new year with a clean blackboard. This includes forgiving yourself as well. For what? Maybe you took advantage of someone and you know it and it's still eating at you and you feel ashamed of it. Maybe you did something that caused somebody to get fired. Maybe you gossiped about somebody or wrote something really negative on a social media page and that person is really still struggling because of what you said or what she wrote. Maybe you have been abusing some substance in your life. Maybe you are overexpending and keeping that secret from your partner, from your spouse. Maybe you've cheated on your partner. Maybe you've cheated on your income tax. I don't know what may be gnawing inside of you, but what I do know is that if we have done something that we know is wrong, if we have done something that we feel guilty for or ashamed of, that we are going to be holding ourselves back and probably making ourselves sick as well if we don't do the inner work, which includes making amends. Forgiveness is never, whether it's forgiving ourselves or forgiving another, is never about condoning behavior that is harmful, unethical, illegal, or wrong. It's never about that. But it is about untying ourselves from the past, untying ourselves from that particular activity, untying ourselves from the resentment and the, the bitterness that we feel around it. And in order to do that, When and where appropriate, and it's almost always appropriate, we must make amends. If you've been with me for any length of time, you know the tremendous respect that I have for the teachings and the practices in the recovery movement. And I admire so much the emphasis on personal inventory and recovery, so much the emphasis on making amends, except when to do so would cause significant harm to the other. But you've got to watch the ego, because the ego would like to squirrel around with that a little bit. Because it's not so easy to make amends, is it? To, to own up to what we have done, to apologize for it, knowing that even when we own up to what we've done and even as we apologize for it, the other may not be willing to accept our apology. But that doesn't matter. That's not why we make amends. We make amends to set things right as best we can from our side of the emotional table, if you will, and we make amends so that we can be clearer and cleaner, if you will, from the inside out forgiveness work is incredibly important work on our spiritual path. Jesus talked about it. He said when you forgive, it is not enough to forgive seven times times seven, which was the old Mosaic law and custom. He said you are to forgive 70 times seven. And I am positive he did not mean you stop at 490. The 70 times seven was you forgive until... It's complete, until there is no more resentment, until there is no more shame, until there is no more resentment, until there is no more bitterness. You and I are living, to me, in what are very exciting times. And part of what I think is exciting is so much of what we know to be valuable and true on the spiritual path is now being studied and supported and researched and documented at academic levels. We know that the power of gratitude, for example, and we know that there's wonderful research being done on what happens when people live life out of the experience of gratitude, what happens in their bodies, what happens that can be measured Did you know that the same is true with regard to forgiveness? That forgiveness is being studied at the university level. Forgiveness is being taught in some departments at the university level. At the University of Stanford, and I'm so glad neither my son or daughter are in the room right now because they're both um, Cal students and Cal doesn't like Stanford and Sanford doesn't like Cal. But it's at the University of Stanford, Stanford University, that Dr. Fred Luskin is the director of a whole department and a whole project on forgiveness. And he says that there are, um, when it comes to self-forgiveness, that there are four general areas that he has discovered people have the most difficulty in forgiving themselves for. Would you like to know what they are? Okay, the first is when we fail at a major life task, such as our marriage or our partnership. He said that's one of the four main areas that we have a hard time forgiving ourselves for. The second, excuse me, when we know that our actions have hurt another person. The third is when we have hurt ourselves by lifestyle habits. And he says it could be substance abuse. It could be overspending. There's a whole list of possibilities. But when we are hurting ourselves by the behaviors and the habits that we are indulging in. And then the fourth, he said, is when we did something, when we didn't do something, we knew we should have done. He says categorizing the offense begins the forgiveness process and it allows you to break down what you did, look at it, so you can get a little bit of distance from it and begin the healing process. There is a verse in the Old Testament in Psalm 51, a line from it that I have always loved. And it is a line that says, Create in me a clean heart, O God and renew a right spirit within me." Can you feel into those words? Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew in me a right spirit. I think that's the definition of forgiveness work for ourselves and for another. Create in me a clean heart. Create in me a clean heart. Why do you think forgiving ourselves is so important? you're stuck if you don't. Anything else? You're with, you all day long. you're with you all day long. That's a really good one, right? You're with yourself all day long. Do you ever wish you could get away from yourself? <laughs> now, I, there are other people in your life may wish they could get away from you, but I'm talking about do you ever wish that you could get, get away from yourself? Why else is forgiveness work, forgiving yourself, important? Huh? You, thoughts. Excellent. Excellent. Yes, you suppress your power. When we don't forgive ourselves and we're living in feelings of shame or guilt or embarrassment, what, it's as if the beautiful light that we naturally are, the divine light that we naturally are, is trying to shine through all that muck. And what happens is we can't be fully present in our relationships with other people. We won't be authentic, we won't be our best selves because there's this dark ick that we haven't dealt with. So forgiveness, and especially self-forgiveness, is critical to making peace with our past so that we can begin anew. I told you that this was gonna be the one I spent the most time on, so don't worry about the other four, okay? The second one is to hit the stop button, no more instant replays. Now, what do I mean by that? Hit the stop button. I want you to get a picture of that. Can you, what, what is it? Staples has that button that says, that was easy, right? Or something like that. I want you to imagine a button that says stop and that you are hitting the stop button and you are saying to yourself, no more replays. What I mean is stop replaying your worst moments. Stop replaying the worst conversation you ever had. Stop replaying the arguments you had. Stop replaying the places you fell short. Stop replaying the places that you failed. Stop stop replaying anything that you don't want to duplicate in your life. Stop replaying the drama. Stop replaying the complaining and the criticizing. Why? Because we know that what we consistently do, we build into our life stronger and stronger and stronger, and we become a magnet for what? More of that to come in and to stay in. So I want you to, when you catch yourself replaying some mistakes, some shortcoming, that you go, whoa, I'm gonna hit the stop button here. Now, it sounds easy, doesn't it? I mean, you all know this, I know you know this, but are you consistently doing it every single place in your life? No, I know I'm not either. There are some places I do it really well. And every winter when I am on a ski slope and I am on the highest one that I can do, that I know I'm going to really need to apply every skill that I've learned, do you know what the first vision is that pops into my head? It's falling, and it's falling. When you're on an expert slope, the way they describe them or define them is it means when you fall at the top, you go all the way to the bottom. Whereas on a bunny slope, if you fall at the top, you just fall. Whoops. <laughs> kind of perfect timing. I couldn't have timed that any better, could I? And that's not what my falls look like when I fall on the ski slope. But I know better, and yet I'll catch myself and I'll have to stand at the top for a while before I even attempt to go down to say, you can't play that picture in your mind. Because if you do, you're likely to do that picture. Because I've also done runs like that many times before. Maybe not perfectly, but I'm still here. <laughs> no broken. Ba- do you see what I, the point I'm trying to make? Is we can apply these concepts as simple as they are really well in some places in our lives, but there may be others in our life where we're not doing such a good job. And that's where we want to continue to practice very much with a childlike joy and energy. That, okay, I do well here, but I've got to hit the stop button over here because I know I keep replaying this one thing and I really need to get past it. The third is refuse to hold yourself hostage to your past performance. That phrase, refuse to hold yourself hostage, is a powerful one. I refuse to hold myself hostage to my past mistakes. Say that with me. I refuse to hold myself hostage to my past mistakes. Raise your hand. Practice honesty here. Have any of you in this room ever made a mistake? I won't ask you to raise your hand again, but do you hold yourself hostage to that mistake? Some of us do, some of us do. Some of us also do that with our partners. We hold them hostage to their past mistakes. We hold them hostage to the, the, the worst moment instead of their best moment. Refuse to hold yourself hostage to your past performance. There's a phrase that I've read on any financial product I've ever purchased, whether it's a stock or whether it's a mutual fund, whether it's for myself, our family, or for the church, there is a phrase on every single document that says basically this idea. Past performance is not an indicator of future outcomes. It's trying to say the past. You can't let that predict what's gonna happen here. Don't hold yourself hostage to your own past performance. By all means, carry the learning forward from those painful mistakes and lessons because you paid dearly for them. You may not have written a check for them, but you paid dearly for those big mistakes. By all means, carry the learning, carry the lesson forward But leave the pain back there. Leave the pain back there. And don't allow yourself to be identified or limited by that. If you've learned something from that, then you are bigger than that now than you were when you did that. Does that make sense? Okay. The fourth is to watch your language. Watch your language. Say that with me. Watch your language. Did you ever have a mother or father or an adult tell you as you were growing up, watch your language? Uh, yeah, Do you ever? was that ever followed by, or I will wash your mouth out with? Soap. Okay, some of us are still in that generation of having received that kind of parenting. I know I was, and I think at least one time I remember that bar of smoke, smoke that bar of soap in my mouth. I don't know what I said. I was actually a pretty decent kid, but whatever, it must have really bothered my mother. But watch your talk, watch your language. Do you think I'm talking about four-letter words? You can be more confident than that. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about our self-talk. I'm talking about the conversations that we run in our heads and in our hearts about ourselves, about our possibilities. Can you imagine if all the things running in your head silently were broadcast full-volume... Okay, so let's pause there for a moment. Why the... Ooh! Why? We all know why. Somebody had the courage to say, why would we not want it broadcast? Because we beat ourselves up. It's negative. It's, it's abusive. Sometimes it's downright abusive the way that we talk to ourselves about ourselves. The truth of the matter is, it is being projected. Even though it's not being verbally projected to the whole world, it is being energetically projected into everything. It's energetically projected into the way we carry ourselves. It's energetically projected into our presence, the way we are with one another. It's energetically projected into the way we we relate to problems or opportunities. So the self-talk, even though it is maybe silent, it's still incredibly powerful. And when it is abusive and negative and critical self-talk, it is incredibly harmful. And so your mother was right, and so was mine, to say, watch your language. But in a much deeper way are we called to watch your language. There's a phrase that I... There's two things that I try to do with myself when I catch myself with really critical self-talk. And the two things are to imagine if I'm in a cycle of, of critical self-talk, it's because I, didn't, I messed up on something, or I didn't, I didn't achieve what I had hoped to achieve, or I made a big mistake, or I, whatever. You're on the same page with me, right? So that's when the negative self-talk might come in. And I will, when I catch myself, I'll say, how would my best friend, if I told my best friend what just happened and why I'm so frustrated with myself or so disappointed, how would my best friend be talking to me right now? Would they be talking to me the way that I'm talking to me? And I know they wouldn't. They might still be very direct. I would want them to be direct and honest in whatever they saw that was my part in the situation or what maybe I didn't do that I could do differently next time. I'd want that kind of honesty, but I don't need the abuse and I know that they wouldn't give it to me. Right? So that's one way to begin to catch yourself and to change yourself in that cycle. And the other is, uh, three little words, up until now. Say those with me. Up until now. So I set a goal, a New Year's resolution. I'm going to, give me an example. I'm going to stop smoking. Okay. And it's day seven and I haven't had a cigarette. And day eight, I mess up and I have a cigarette. Right? I have a choice to continue in that pattern then or and beat myself up and all the stuff that sometimes we do to ourselves. Or I can say, up until now, I had been doing all right up until now, but now I'm going to make a new and fresh start right here and right now. It's to not hold myself hostage to that worst past performance. Up until now, I may not have done so well. But now is a new moment. Now is a fresh start, so up until now. And the very last is to open your mind, because we're talking about how we, we uh, make peace with our past so we can move forward and start this new year fresh. Open your mind to new possibilities and new opportunities. And by that, I mean, stretch yourself to get out of whatever is normal and customary for you. Whether that is to decide to, to read a whole different genre of books or to listen to a different news program, or whether it's to say, I am going to make sure that I begin to, uh, to increase the diversity in my, circle of my social circle. I'm not going to just be with people who look like me or sound like me or vote like me or think like me. I want to also make sure I'm exposed to other ideas, other influences. But that's how we grow. That's how we grow. That's how we grow. So whatever it is that you have put on these, what I know is it's a combination of making clear what it is that we want to bring forth. It is the chalk on the blackboard or the pen on the piece of paper. But equal to that is making sure that we use that eraser to race out and let go of all the things that could stand in our way. Namaste and Happy New Year. Thanks for listening. The Unity Center, transforming lives and healing our world. Check us out Sundays at 9 and 11. Subscribe to our podcasts and download our free app for instant access to a wealth of spiritual teachings, services, and events.